What is your ultimate goal as a coach? What serves as the foundation for what you do and how you do it? Today, on the Ultimate Ground Rules. But I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Welcome to The Ultimate Ground Rules, a podcast built specifically to encourage, empower, and strengthen the faith of coaches as they live out their God-given purpose to develop the next generation of leaders. And now, your host, Dave Pritchard. Hello and welcome to Episode 6 of The Ultimate Ground Rules. Recently, I sat down with Ryan Presnell head baseball coach at Elizabethan High School in Tennessee. He provided some profound insight into his program, an inside look at how his faith shapes his coaching philosophy, as well as some solid advice for young coaches out there. Grab your pen and paper and be prepared to take notes as The Ultimate Ground Rules presents to you head coach Ryan Presnell. So I'm here today with Ryan Presnell, uh, head baseball coach from Elizabethan High School in Elizabethan, Tennessee. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Ryan. Hey, thanks for having me. Really excited about the opportunity to speak with you. So if you don't mind, Ryan, if you would uh, just give our listeners a little idea of your background. Sure. Uh, I've been uh, head coach here at Elizabethan High School for, for the last three years. Uh, also teach criminal justice. Uh, before that, I coached at uh, Tennessee High over in Bristol and Jefferson County uh, down towards Knoxville. Um before that, I was actually had an odd career. I was a special agent with the FBI, investigated uh, gangs in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, worked intelligence for the DEA. So I also did 10 years in the Army before that. So a big career shift uh, when I hit about 31 years of age and hadn't looked back since. If you don't mind me asking, what, uh, what caused that shift there from FBI to teacher? Uh, just, uh, you know, Lord really moved in my life and uh, got to be one of those things I'd always planned on. Uh, getting into coaching when I retired from law enforcement, uh, but it just became such a such a burden on my mind that I wasn't working with kids that uh, I decided to, to up and leave. I got tired of driving by ballparks and seeing lights on and stopping and <laughs> longfully wishing I was out on the baseball field and, you know, have one experience where uh, – was sitting in a courtroom listening to a young man being sentenced to 30 years for narcotics trafficking and um, armed robbery and just uh, looked back through his past uh, during the investigation and come to find out that this this young man had been offered a full ride to North Carolina State as a quarterback and uh, just got to wondering, you know, like, you know, should I be the guy on the other end of this equation? I'd really like to help kids before they get into this type of situation where, you know, they're in a courtroom with their mom behind them crying. So uh, that was really a, a big watershed moment that really kind of pushed me in the direction. And uh, Lord provided a great job down in Jefferson County where I got my start as a full-time coach and haven't looked back since. Man, that's pretty cool. That's an awesome story. Yes, yeah, uh, definitely a neat story. Um, you know, it really motivates a lot of the things I do. Uh, you know, for me personally, uh, you know, I work with my youth group at church. Uh, I've got a CSI team that I work with. I, I, you know, I just happen to be a baseball coach. I, you know, really, I'm a disciple of Christ, really trying to reach kids for Christ just through living that example in front of them. So, you know, <laughs> you and I are both head coaches, and, and we've made our peace with the fact that the director of schools may walk in tomorrow and say, hey, man, your services are no longer needed as head baseball coach. <laughs> I've been through that before. I've watched friends go through it. and 
you know, I've always said that I love baseball, but I don't, I don't love baseball more than I just love kids, period. So, uh, you know, my heart is working with kids and I don't, I don't really care where it's at. Now, I'll be honest with you, I do love baseball quite a bit, but <laughs> if somewhere happened and that went away tomorrow, I know I could find, uh, or God would find me another place to, to work with kids. That is awesome. So kind of just from my perspective, how, how I kind of ran across you, I know we had a chance to play last year, but I happened to run across that note that you had sent to the paper after you guys had won a sectional and made the state tournament. Just kind of talk me through that a little bit, just that experience. You know, that's kind of a dream of a lot of coaches to make the state tournament. And then for you to recognize uh, that opportunity and, and what was really important about it, just kind of walk me through that. You know, I had, prior to that game, I had coached uh, in three, three sub-state games before that. Um, one as a head coach and two as an assistant coach and, and was 0 for 3. And to be honest with you, there was only one where we were really close to even actually winning the game. The other two were blowouts. And, you know, to make it that far with the teams, and obviously great baseball teams, to make it that far, it just becomes such a, a far and away thing for me to actually think that of winning that game and going to Springfield and Murfreesboro. Um, and so what it came down to, I'd always said, you know what, if I, if I win that, you know, that's – that's something so special and, and I have, I'll have a platform there, you know, and I, <laughs> to be honest with you, it really kind of bore itself out of the idea that I just want to be with my kids too. You know, I didn't, there wasn't a whole lot to say about that baseball game. Anybody that saw that uh, or participated in that game, I mean, it was a walk-off hit in the bottom of the inning and it was just, it was pandemonium and, and trying to speak at that moment. I knew that if I tried to get across what I wanted to get across, I just wouldn't be able to do that effectively. And, I was actually talking to my assistant coaches and we're all on the same page with what we're trying to do with this program. And I was talking to my assistant coaches in the, in the coach's office the night before the game and said, you know, I got this idea. I think I want to do this. I think I really want to talk about Christ and, and just really give a, a quick personal testimony and this, that, and the other. And one of my assistant coaches says, listen, man, he just, just write it down. He said, just write it down and hand him a letter. And I was like, it really hit me. It's like, you know, gosh, you know, start talking about letters and getting across the, the point of Christ. You know, we look at the New Testament and over half the New Testament are letters. And so I went home that night and started typing on it and looking at it. And I sent those guys and just their response was like, it's perfect. That's it. That's all we, that's all we want to say. And I was really nervous about it. I was really scared about it. And, and, and you know, wondering, can I do this? And, and I, the newspaper reporter came up after and he's, he literally had a, a video camera in my face. And I just said, look, it's, I, I'm not, I'm not saying no comment, but these are my comments. This is what I want to say. Um, I hope you're not offended. And I certainly don't mean if I offended it. And he called me about an hour later crying. He was like, I, I get it, man. I, I'm not offended. I'm not upset. He said, this is awesome. And he put it up on the internet. And I think the next morning it was up to like 250 shares and he and I were just kind of freaking out. And it, it was just, uh, it was amazing to see what Christ can do with just one baseball coach. And, and really what, uh, if you look at all the baseball going on in the country at the time, just kind of a minuscule game. It's just not that big of a deal, but uh, to Christ, I think it was, uh, you know, and I don't know, I'm not sitting here saying that Christ helped us beat Gibbs or anything like that. What I am saying is if, if we as coaches will just take the platform we're given and we don't necessarily need to be as bold as, you know, publicly proclaiming him every chance we get if we'll just if we'll just live the life people will ask us you know what's the deal with you like why are you why are you different how did you 
what made you leave this to get into coaching? Why do you coach? Why do your kids love you so much? And you can tell them the answer when they ask you those questions is pretty simple is I just try to live out Christ through my coaching. And that's, that's what we're trying to get across. So when I think about winning that baseball game, to me, that's one of the, the biggest memories I'll always have is, is the, the reaction that folks had to, to our coaching staff and what we wanted to say about how we coach. Man, that's awesome. Just hearing you talk right there, just two things stand out to me. I was just thinking about, you know, Jesus himself said it only takes the, the faith the size of a mustard seed to move mountains. And, you know, waking up that next morning and seeing all those shares and something that seems so small but can have such a big impact. It's pretty wild. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things, and I, I spoke to a church in, in Greenville, Tennessee, uh, home of the 2A state champions, by the way, <laughs> uh, spoke at a, at a church in Greenville just this last week, and that was one of the ways they got a hold of me. It was one of their church members had read that letter and said, we want to get this guy down here to talk to our youth about sports and how these things work. And it's, listen, we live in a country where athletics uh, are just very much a part of almost every person's life. And so if we look at that and we look at the special skill set that we have as coaches and we have a love for Christ, man, what a great opportunity we have to combine our passions. And, and when you do that, you find that sweet spot and you're able to just do so much with it. And, you know, most of my things don't make the newspaper. Most of my things are, you know, kids coming to me asking me, I had a kid last summer asking me, hey, I've got a girlfriend, she's an atheist. So he said, do you think I should break up or absolutely not kid? You've got work to do, you know, and, and talking to this kid through this and, and he was able to bring his girlfriend to Christ through our relationship and, and me advising him. And, you know, that's, those are the things that don't make the paper. Uh, those are the things that are going to echo in eternity, brother. I mean, that's, and that's what we're called to do as coaches. I mean, we don't, I don't think anybody in high school athletics really coaches for glory because it just, as you can attest, it's really not there most of the time. Most of the time you're playing and it's 42 degrees on a, on, on a Tuesday in March. And, you know, you can hear your wife over there sighing when you call for a bunt that you shouldn't have. I mean, it's just that that's not there. So we, we all coach for the kids. And, and if you're really going to coach for the kids and you're a disciple of Christ, then, displaying that love is what's going to really make the money that, you know, is going to turn that mustard seed into a flowering tree. That's right. going to produce I mean, a lot you of fruit the nail on the head there. Even if, you know, even you do experience those like that, like that sectional game, that win, uh, you know, that's awesome. And it's something we strive for, but it's so fleeting, you know, and then you talk about the experiences with those kids. I mean, that, like you said, that's eternal. That's, those are things are, you know, there's a win and there's a win. If you know what I'm saying? Oh, sure, man. And, and the thing is like, you know, we're, we're on top of the world, you know, that Friday night, we are just absolutely on top of the world. And four days later, we're meeting in left field, crying our eyes out. I mean, it's just, it's just life. And, you know, I had a, I'm, I'm, I'm working with a coach right now, kind of, kind of working with him through some things. And he, he had a team last year. It's basically one, one of a kind of team, you know, one of those teams where you just remember those kids for the rest of your life. And you remember practices and, you know, a lot of those kids graduated, and so this year he's got an extremely young team and it's, you know, kind of my advice to him was like, Hey man, you know, build them into those kids. You know, it, it's going to, these kids are going to come and go so quickly. And, and, you know, we as I'm, I'm in my late thirties, you know, four years for me is just a, a flash in the pan, but for these kids, four years is a long time, but we've got to maximize on those four years because they just fly by with these kids and, I always tell people, you know, people ask you, what's your coaching philosophy? Well, my coaching philosophy is very simple. 
what will these kids say to me when they see me in Walmart in 10 years? Because we live in a small town and they're going to come back home or they're going to stay here and I'm going to see them and they're going to say, hey, coach, I want you to meet my wife. Hey, look at my kids. Look at this. And I'm working here and I'm doing this. Or they just going to look at you and say, hey, coach, good to see you and keep walking. You know, so whatever my kids will say to me in 10 years when they see me out on the streets, that's how I know whether or not I was successful. Hanging stuff on a wall, I, I just, I honestly, as hard as this is to come out of my mouth and for me to actually believe, I really don't care about wins and losses anymore. And it's taken me a long time to get there, to be honest with you. And it's been a painful process, but it's just something I've had to realize through a lot of painful experiences as a coach that if that's where I'm going to hang my hat, I'm going to be really unfulfilled <laughs> right. in about 30. Well, let me ask you this question. There's one thing that I have uh, felt like I've encountered more and more, and I'm curious on how you, how maybe you deal with it in your program to some extent or just relate to your guys. You talked about uh, identity, especially as you as a coach, and coming to terms with the fact that, you know, if, if, the, if the superintendent came in tomorrow and said you're not the baseball coach, that, you know, you understand your bigger purpose and, and could come to grips with that. But one thing I've noticed – uh, with players and even with parents more and more is this, I, I call it an identity crisis where, you know, I'm a, I'm a baseball player first and foremost, or even with parents, you know, I'm a baseball parent. I look at some parents and think, you know, your kid's going to graduate and he's not going to be a baseball player anymore. And you're not going to know what you are, you know? So how, especially with players and maybe even with parents, you know, how have you, have you encountered that? And then how do you deal with it with your team or, or with individual guys on your team? You know, this is not your whole identity, if that makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. And uh, there's a book out there that I, I, I recommend to every coach I ever come across. It's called the Matheny Manifesto. And it's written by Mike Matheny, who <laughs> oddly enough is not the head coach of the St. Louis Cardinals anymore. And he, he talks about that very thing about how, the, the lessons he learned growing up shaped who he became as a coach and, and all the problems with youth baseball and amateur baseball in America. And one of the things that he said is these parents are investing so much time, money, effort, and energy into these kids that, you know, and there's a lot of guys out there, man. And I, if any of them are listening and, and you consider yourself to be a baseball mercenary, you got to quit. You got to get into something more meaningful because these, these parents, it, we're, there's there's guys looking at these parents where you, you know this 12 year old kid i think he's got a shot to play college ball you know gosh we we just there's so many variables that go into a, a statement like that i'm just not quite sure how these these things are happening but they are and so as a full-time high school coach i've got to help these kids see that i, I get your personal interest and I get that you've invested all this time and money, but I need you to put that to the side for a minute. I need you to consider the bigger picture. And so one of the biggest things we do is I have a parent meeting every spring. And listen, everybody has a parent meeting. And you'd say, here, you know, here's here's the schedule and here's what Johnny needs. And, you know, here's how we had, this is where we're going to eat on this road trip. Yeah, I, I get that. There needs to be an admin side. But, man, there needs to be a personal side, too. You need to talk to these parents. Like, we sell parents short. You know, if there's people out there selling them on, a, on one brand of baseball that's this investment-style baseball where we're expecting a return on our investment in the form of a college scholarship, you've got to sell the other side, and that is this team mentality that I'm trying to affect your kid's eternity. 
that I'm trying to make sure your kid is a good father, husband, you know, that, that when they go to work, they understand why it's important to be on time and wearing what you're supposed to be wearing that day. You have to sell that too, because there's other people out there selling a brand of baseball that honestly is just, it's really detrimental to our kids and our society. And it's going on in every sport and it's going on for a long time, but I think it's, it's, it's baseball's kind of last of the punch where we're seeing a lot of this stuff go on. And, I would just really suggest that you got to start with the parents because you can sell Johnny on anything. Johnny loves you. Johnny, the player, respects you. He looks up to you, and he thinks you make great decisions. But if he goes home and he hears something completely different because you haven't sold your desire, vision, and focus to parents, then Johnny, Johnny's going to be a torn young man, and we know who he's going to go with. He's going to go with his parents. That's the way it's supposed to be in the first place. But if I really sit these parents down and I tell them, look, you're going to be here for an hour. Turn the phone off. Just listen to me for an hour and let me tell you why I do things the way I do. We have we have produced so much fruit with just that meeting that I cannot explain to you the buy-in that we've gotten from families. Uh, parents come up to us after a cry and talking to us about, I've waited for so long to hear somebody else say this. And the big thing that we get is I, I get phone calls in the middle of the night from mamas and daddies saying, I need your help. My son will not, he's not going to pass this class. And if you don't do something about it, I need your help. That's the partnership that's going to allow you to build a love of Christ in your locker room because it's going to be in the stands as well. And if you, when you get that type of synergy going on, you get really special things happening. And again, I'm not talking about wins and losses. I'm talking about kids doing special things with their lives and looking to you to advise them when they really get tough places in their life. So that would be my suggestion. And it's a tough thing to do to stand in front of parents. Uh, and, and just really kind of open yourself up and tell them who you are and how you're feeling. But it's just something that needs to start happening for a lot of these coaches. Man, that is some awesome stuff. I'm sitting here scrolling some notes, and I know I hope there's some guys out there listening, uh, you know, all coaches, but especially some young coaches that maybe will hit the rewind button and, and take some of that advice there and, and put it into practice. While you're trying to, while you're trying to live that out, um, personally, uh, what what's some scriptures that you cling to that you, that you'll go to for motivation or just you know if you're maybe you're in a funk and you know I got to get reoriented with what I'm trying to do here. Is there anything that uh, you're especially fond of? Yeah, Joshua one nine is always a big one. Um, the way the Lord spoke to Joshua as he took over for for Moses. You know, I mean, my goodness, can you imagine the weight that came down upon that man's shoulders when he realized that he was he was responsible for taking these people into the promised land after Moses had led these people through 40 years of just incredible adversity. And he says, be, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. You know, um, I'm with you wherever you go. And it's just, you know, he's with us wherever we go. And I, I told some folks the other day, you know, Jesus Christ is not a soccer mom. <laughs> he doesn't kick you out of the, kick you out of the van and head to the Walmart. Cause I don't have any kids and I can actually go to Walmart without kids for a little while. No, Jesus Christ will cross a chalk line. He will stand in a third base box. He will be right there with you, you know, and, and you have to be courageous in how you coach and he's with you wherever you go. You go to a home plate meeting with a coach that you've not seen eye to eye with or an umpire that, you know, that you, that you're always butting heads with, uh, you know, he goes into a meeting with a parent that's incensed, you know, he, he doesn't just drop you off at practice or a game and forget about you. Like he's with you. He's with you wherever you go, whatever decision you make. And it may be the wrong one. He's going to be with you for the wrong decisions too. And if you go at it with a heart like that, that I have Christ with me, I, I swear, man, you can take on anything that this profession will toss at you, including being fired. And, and 
for for young coaches, man, you see so many of these these schools are hiring guys younger and younger, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I didn't become a head coach though until I was thirty five. Man, I've been put through the fire, and I'd seen a lot of things, and I think I had a pretty good grip on on how I wanted the program to look, even though my first year was still pretty rough. But as a 24-, 25-year-old guy taking over as a head coach, you're going to have to have Christ. I mean, you're going to need him, and you're going to lean all over him. And, and wherever you go, be strong, be courageous, and don't be discouraged because he'll be right there with you. Awesome. So if if you don't care and you can you know the floor is yours you can you can get as specific as you want but one question that, that maybe if there are some younger guys listening you know what are some of those struggles that you dealt with specifically if if you want to dive into any of that and how did you deal with it the biggest struggle for me was um i had come from a military background where you know i've been an officer and i've been in charge of of literally hundreds of soldiers in my last command and and there would be people who would question me, but it would always be very respectful and tactful behind closed doors. And you encourage that in the military. And so even if there is a, a, a confrontation, it's going to be respectful and tactful, and, and it's not going to violate any personal boundaries, and we're all going to be friends after we leave. So the first time that I got into the coaching profession as a head coach, and I had a parent like really come at me, like really, I, this person's going to try to get my job, you know, they're... They're, they're selling me down behind my back. They're, they're trying to win parents to their side, and they're truly being a cancer. I had no clue how to deal with that. And uh, going into my fourth year as head coach, I, I know exactly how I'd deal with that. Number one, I would have I dealt with that better uh, on the front end, as in have that parent meeting explain to people how things are going to go. I think if there's an expectation uh, of how we're going to communicate between each other, things like we're not talking about playing time on the day of a game. Uh, if we're going to have a meeting where we're going to discuss uh, things about the, the program as in playing time or how your son's being talked to on the baseball field, that's going to be a set and called meeting. There's no ambushes in the parking lot. Uh, once I did that and I set those ground rules, things got a lot better because we would have confrontations with parents, but it was more of the tactful behind the scenes. The kids don't even know this is going on kind of meeting, and that's what's best for everybody involved. Uh, the second thing that shocked me was how willing uh, parents were to use a cell phone and an email uh, to to just absolutely try to destroy a coach's self-esteem during a season. And that's something that we all deal with almost every season. I don't care if you win a state championship, you're going to deal with an unhappy parent. And uh, if you don't set that ground rules right and you don't have that proper respect, you know, you're going to be dealing with that when you should be thinking about your lineup tomorrow. And that's that's unfortunate for all those kids in that locker room. So just setting those ground rules and maintaining that respect between yourself and parents and, and really when, when that conflict comes, not if, because that was the thing I thought is I, I'm such a good coach that there's not going to be any conflict and everybody's going to always understand me and they're not going to question me. And <laughs> two weeks into the season, boy, I was wrong. I was dead wrong. And so when that conflict happens is having – Having that Christ-like mindset of, okay, you know, we've got an issue. Let's deal with it in a proper grown-up adult-like manner. And the biggest thing is to maintain that Christ-like love for everybody, even somebody that's chewing you up and spitting you out, to maintain that love and respect for that person no matter what during that whole uh, confrontation. Man, that is awesome. That is, that's a lot easier said than done, but you are so right. Um, and I, like you said, I mean, that's a growing process. I mean, that no doubt takes time. Yeah, it does. And, and you're, you know, it doesn't matter if you've been coaching for 20 years and won 18 state championships. 
uh, there's going to be two years where you didn't win the state championship. And there's, there's going to be several kids that when you went and won the state championship, that didn't get a chance to play. And the parents aren't necessarily maybe going to be happy about that. And so you're always going to have these issues. And the thing, this is, I think this is crucial. This is a crucial part of the understanding is understanding when you took a job as head coach, you asked for that. And you said, I can deal with that. And so when it comes along, you've got to have that habit of mind and don't have a natural reaction, a fight or flight reaction to it is where you're going to run from it or you're just going to meet force with force. But having that reaction that Jesus Christ teaches us to have to our enemies and love them and sit them down and explain to them. And, you know, if they can't understand it, they can't understand it. You know, and they may you may just have to look at them. And I've done this. You're just going to, have to go talk to my boss because you and I are not going to have an understanding about this issue. But as long as that goes on behind closed doors and there's no screaming and yelling and it's not on the day of a game and the kids don't know what's going on, hey, listen, nobody's going to be hurt from that. Their feelings may be hurt. Uh, your feelings may even be hurt. But at the end of the day, the kids get to survive that and it's not going to affect their, their outcome on the field. Let's, let's shift here, if you don't mind. I'm a real firm believer that you've got to take – so you get that chance to be a head coach. You've got to take that program and you've got to make it yours. You know, if you – if I'm strictly trying to copy what everybody else does, it's not going to work because it's got to be my program. But with that said, uh, if there's some other coaches out there listening, maybe thinking, you know, what are what do you feel like? Maybe just a couple of examples of some unique things that you do to try to have an impact on your kids that maybe is a little different that somebody could take and adapt. Uh, what do you do at Elizabethan that's unique? Um, we very much do team building in the off season and <clears throat> it's difficult. I'm not going to lie to you because when it's in the off season, you don't much feel like spending Friday nights with the baseball team. Um, and <laughs> again, I'm being honest here. A lot of people may say, gosh, you should always want to be with these kids. No, these kids get on your deck of nerves sometimes. And <laughs> you, you, you don't necessarily want to look at a 15 year old on a Friday night. You'd rather be hanging out on the couch, watching a movie with your wife. But my wife and I have this awesome understanding that she knows that me spending time with those kids is part of my ministry. And so, you know, it's not like I'm out here teaching them Bible lessons, but I am showing them love. And um, something that we're going to do that I think is really cool this year is uh, we're going to have what's called a SWAT day. So my, 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 my former career as a law enforcement officer made a lot of good contacts. And one of the local SWAT teams is going to take us and work us out on a Saturday morning. And then they're going to go play paintball with us that afternoon. You know, just think outside the box and think about what you have to build, uh, build rapport with these kids to let them know you care about them. And I'll be honest with you. If, the, if, if you're only spending time with your kids at strength and conditioning sessions and practice, you're just not going to get much out of this. I mean, honestly, it's just what it comes down to because they don't they don't know anything besides that. And the only time they really see you is when you're critiquing them or making them run. I mean, that's just not going to work. Um, the other thing that we do, and I'm telling you, it, this was a really hard thing for me to deal with, but I had a young assistant coach that brought this up one time. He said, our bus rides really stink. I said, dude, what do you mean? He said, they're just, they're 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 not good. I said, well, what do we need to do to get it better? He said, well, that one bus over there, they bought a new bus that has a stereo and it has an aux cord so that our guys could play music on the way to the bus, on the way to the game. And I'm like, well, you know, we all came from this old school thing where it's like, sit down, shut up, don't talk to nobody before you get to the game. And it's like, I, for me personally, I, I, I get so nervous if I just sit there and think about what's coming up, even as a coach, that it's like, yeah, the bus ride's miserable. And so we started to rethink our transportation. 
and we started to think it kind of started to push into other realms. It's like, why shouldn't this be fun? And we didn't have an answer to that question. And the, the answer to that question is it should be fun. You know, these kids are going to graduate, most of them, and not get to play college ball or pro ball. This is going to be their last exposure to the game of baseball. Why would this not be fun? And, and I just didn't have a good answer for that. And so we we allow them to have fun in all facets of the game, and that includes playing. Uh, you know, the, the thing that you as the adult have to do with that is to make sure they don't have fun at the expense of the game or at the expense of the practice, that it doesn't go so far that, all right, you've completely lost control, and now this is just turned into a goat rope. And so we, we've been really good with that as our coaching staff. And it's, it was a big change for me. And I know a lot of my coaching mentors that I coach with, if they came and watched one of their practices, they'd be like, dude, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. Why is this music playing? Why are these guys doing this drill? What's, I mean, if we're having a bad practice, I know this sounds crazy, but it works. If we're having a bad practice, we will literally meet these kids at home plate and we will select two people and they'll have to have a dance off and we will play some stupid music and get their minds out of the gutter thinking about failure and back to, can you believe that Johnny did that dance move on home plate and coach Preston? I can't believe he actually danced. So it's taken a lot to get me there. But when I consider what I'm really trying to do with these kids and that is win them over to Christ if I'm really trying to be a disciple out there and, and I, you know, I'm, I'm got the restrictions of the constitution. If I'm nothing, if all they ever see is a scowl out of me, that's never going to work. But if they see a smiling guy that's happy all the time, that's got a great family life and loves his life, they're going to come ask me after practice, coach, what's going on with you? Why are you different? And that's, and if we're going to do that, then these kids got to have fun. And so those two things, you know, spend time with them and have fun with them. So, just a couple of questions here to wrap up, and I, and I think you've already hit on this, but I want to make sure I ask it so, so somebody can get a clear answer. What's your So define your ultimate goal as a coach. What's your ultimate goal? Uh, that's so tough, man. Can I be honest with you? I don't have one. I, I really don't. Uh, I, I, I used to sit and think, uh, you know, when I was 24, 25 years old and just got into coaching, you know, the ultimate goal was to win a state championship. And, you know, this year we were one game away, you know, a team that we had played the week before and, uh, you know, had a lot of success against ended up winning the state championship. And it, my wife and I just, the day we found out that, <laughs> uh, that's other, that Greenville had won and we were just really upset about, and I wasn't upset that Greenville won. Greenville absolutely deserved it for what they did it was awesome. I spoke to coach Collins about that, but, we just, I said, I really got to, got to rethink, you know, long-term what's, what's the point. And so for me, my ultimate goal would be at my funeral, just to have hundreds of baseball players there, just hundreds, just cause they care. And I don't need trophies or any of that, but you know, and I'll never even see that, but that just, I went to a, a former mentor coach of mine and there was just so many baseball players at this guy's funeral and they were just boohooing, man. They're just, they love this guy and they would, they would have done anything for him. And he'd won so many players over to Christ and helped them, you know, become fine family men and, and state representatives and doctors and lawyers. And that's just, that's my goal, man. That's, that's the end game right there. Awesome. Well, I'm going to let you close out here. I'm going to give you the floor and you can take this wherever you want to, but uh, just spend a couple minutes right here with the uh, young coaches that are listening and just throw out any advice you want to throw out. You know, you've got to uh, make sure you have a life outside the game. 
Um, if all you're doing is baseball, this, this is just not going to last long for you. Uh, you've got to, to make sure and take care of your family. Uh, you got to have friends that don't coach, you know, and, and we all just get in this rut where it's like, I love coaches and I love baseball so much that that's all I ever want to do. And I've got to make myself take some breaks every once in a while and just go sit in a tree stand. I got to go fishing. I got to, you know, throw the kids in the back of the truck, and just ride up in the mountains. Uh, make sure that this doesn't overtake you as bad as you may want it to. And baseball can be, honestly become simple. Uh, it can become something that, that drives you into the ground, that, that drives a wedge between you and Christ. And, and so just make sure it never does that. Uh, second thing is always develop uh, your, your profession. Um, somebody out there is doing it better than you. And, uh, you know, when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about those personal things too, with your kids, somebody else has got great ideas, you know, constantly be sharing with other people and, and keep that line of communication open and, and be the guy that's approachable so that you, if you ever do experience success, that people call you and want to know, Hey, how, how did you do that? And, and don't be a jerk, actually share the secrets because if somebody's calling you and thinks enough of you to ask you what your advice is, you need to make sure and, and give them unfettered access. And so I've, I've not had that yet where somebody's left my staff to go be a head coach somewhere and be successful. But man, what a proud moment that would be to hear that somebody that used to work for you is now being successful. Um, last thing is, is absolutely during a baseball season, you need to lean on Christ. Um, if you're tired on a, on a Sunday morning, it doesn't matter. You need to get up and go teach a Sunday school class. Uh, you need to serve as if somebody asks you to serve in some capacity at church, you need to do that. You know, pray with your kids. Make sure you go. I, I'll, there's times when I'll go in there and wake my kids up and tell them I love them. And we'll, we'll say their good night prayer after they've been asleep for an hour. They may never remember that. But for me, that's just important that I maintain that center on him uh, and with my family. But that's about it, brother. I think I've spilled my guts enough. That was some awesome stuff. Coach Ryan Presnell from Elizabethan High School, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Coach. Uh, hope I get to see you sometime next year. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks for joining us today on the podcast. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe as our goal is to enlarge our reach in order to encourage as many coaches as possible. Until next week, stay in the Word and stand firm in your faith as you live out your calling.